Ben uh, asked me to help speak for him while he's on vacation, and so um, uh, I've been actually pretty um, convicted of something recently, so this is very good timing. Um, and if you need notes, I have some notes back there, and Chris Nagel has some notes back there. Mine are only fluffier because Jenna turned my scrap notes into paragraphs, so that's why it's bigger. But um, the big thing that was weighing on my heart was having a convenient Jesus. And so um, the way I've always thought of Christianity is that Jesus is my savior, and you believe in him, and you go to heaven. But I haven't really mentioned much about changing my life, or does anything change? What do I have to give up to do that, right? Um, and so I've kind of wanted everything. I've wanted the world, and I've wanted Jesus. Um, and even really reading the New Testament, I've seen that I can change, right? There's fruits of the Spirit. There's patience and love and um, slow to anger. Those are all very good, but I don't, that's still not everything Jesus is saying. And so uh, to start, I'm going to go to Luke uh, chapter 14, 25 to 26. And so now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So right there, obviously, Jesus is telling us, he's calling us to something more than just saying thank you to him, right? He's calling us to an incredible love, so much that it looks like hate. Um, I'm not going to read it, but in Matthew, he actually says that whoever loves his father more than me is not worthy of my disciple. So he doesn't call you to hate your family, but he does call you to love him with such a passion, such a zeal, that it looks like hate. It looks like you're ignoring your family, right? Um, this is kind of like you're just obsessed with Jesus, right? You're at work. You're thinking about Jesus. You're wherever. You're at the grocery store. You're thinking about You can't stop thinking about Jesus. That's what he's calling you to. Um, for me, that was already enough convicting. But it's only been two minutes, so I have to keep going, okay? <laughs> but keep that in mind. So um, the rest of that passage in Luke 14, 27 to 33 says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who, begin, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is a, yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, and this is the key part, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So Jesus is asking a lot, right? I mean, he's, he's saying, count the cost of being my follower. Um, and he kind of makes it sound like a pretty big cost. So if we back up, we say, well, how can, besides being God, how can Jesus ask this much of us, right? And so, obviously, you know this, Jesus sacrificed immensely, right? I mean, the first thing is just like what, I can't remember if it was Israel or Josh was saying, that he's up in heaven in God's glory, and he left that for 30 or more years, right? He left that to come down here. Then, instead of getting the glory that he deserved, he served under his station, he served us, he served people around him. And then, like we would normally do, we beat him for it, right? And we killed him, put him on the cross, 
And he didn't just die on the cross, right? Like that's, he didn't just die. That is apparently the most cruelest form of torture we could do. And then in addition to that, right, that wasn't just a, a metaphorical sacrifice. God's wrath that's intended for you and me was poured out on Jesus. And so it kind of makes you sit back and say, okay, fine, you can ask me a cost, right? He sacrificed enough that he can ask that for you. Um, but then he says, you really need to assess the cost, right? So this is not like going to go get some groceries and how much does it cost. This is a sit down, right? The, the examples he gave, you're building a building or you're going to war, like this is sit down, do you have enough to complete it? Is that cost too much? Um, and so that's the big question. Are you willing to give everything you have? So that's what he says, who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Are you willing to give up everything for Jesus? Um, and so we have to think, is there anything in this life that's not worth Jesus, right? Our jobs, our money, our house, time, right? Um, your comfort zone, like Israel was talking about, right? Are we, are we okay being awkward for Jesus? Um, and so for all of us, it's probably going to be something a little bit different to a degree, right? We're going to um, give up relationships or give up Netflix or Facebook or something like that. Um, but it, it's more than that, right? It's more, it's the, what you're giving up is your life. And so you're giving up control of your life. Um, and so that's where this really hit me is that this is just, this is like the beginning of what I said. This is Jesus ruling your thoughts. He's ruling your life. He's taking the wheel from you. Um, and so when he does that, he says, come, follow me, right? And so we, we all accept that. We say, yes, I will follow you. And he says, but I mean follow me all the way to the end, right? And this is, this is where I've read this passage before and kind of said, whoa, that sounds like a top five Christian kind of thing, right? That's, a, that's apostle level right there to give up everything and follow Jesus to the cross. But I couldn't find that in the Bible, right? That, he just said that's, a, that's the cost. That's the disciple, right? Um, and so I looked at this and I said, well, there's another thing he mentions about being a disciple, and it's about bearing fruit. And so in John 15, 1 through 8, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now before we go too much further, I'm talking about bearing fruit and salvation, and I'm not trying to say that bearing fruit is what gets you the salvation, because obviously the salvation is a free gift from God. But once you accept that gift, right, he says that it costs you something. It costs you everything. Um, and another way I thought of it earlier was that faith is how you're saved. But what really hit me is this not faith in the, the easy-to-digest parts, right? This is a faith in everything that Jesus says, um, including this. And so um, the fruit part is interesting, but the more interesting part for what I'm talking about is that Jesus calls himself the vine, 
right? And if you go through life like I've been going through life, you say, I'm the vine, and I'll make my own fruit, okay? Um, but he says that you have to fully abide in him, abide in the vine. And so that is, the branch cannot do anything on its own. You have to attach yourself to the vine. Um, and so, at least earlier, what this makes me think is I get a little, tentative one may say sad, but I get a little sad, right? I mean, I'm, I'm giving up control of my life. This isn't, this isn't how I really imagined things, right? I mean, because my life's going pretty good. I've got, why, why should I give this up? Why should I give the, this up for Jesus, right? Um, but I think it's more of a fear, right? It's fear from the enemy, right? That you control your life and you'll do a good job. Um, and if you give it up to someone else, there's, there's uncertainty, right? But Jesus doesn't leave room for that uncertainty. He's not calling you to a sad life. He's calling you to a different life. Um, so if you're like me, what do you do? You want to just run out of church and sell your house and your car, give it all the way to the poor, go on, right? Um, that's probably not what most of us are going to do, but... That's the level of dedication you'd have to have to Jesus, that if he asked you to do that, you would be ready to do that, right? He's not going to ask that of everyone, but he says that's the level you need to go to, to sell everything you have. Um, another question that came up, though, was, well, can I buy anything nice anymore, right? Um, you can, right? You, you will. Like, Jesus still lets you do that, but everything has a kingdom mindset, right? So everything... Your whole life is run by that. Your whole life is run by how does this go for the kingdom? Um, for time's sake, I probably won't read it, but in James he says, and this is paraphrasing, he basically says, who are you as a mist to decide what your future is going to be like, right? He says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live this, live and do this or do that. Um, and so the point is that you can't control your life, but if you submit it to Jesus, he will control it. Um, and so, unfortunately, I've been laying it on fairly thick, probably not thick enough, but it's fairly thick that this is a pretty big cost, right? I mean, I'm telling you, you have to give up everything. Um, so the next question is, is it worth it? Obviously, it's yes. And, right, and Josh alluded to this. He actually used this exact same phrase. So in Matthew 13, 44, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Um, and just that, that one phrase, in his joy, right? He doesn't begrudgingly give up everything he has. In his joy, he realizes what he's buying is so valuable that he's actually getting a deal, right? Like, that's, it's just hard to imagine how big and awesome heaven is. And if we could realize that, we would easily give up everything we have, right? We're trading this life, 60, 80, 100 years, if you're lucky, trading that for eternity in heaven with God. And so that's as big of a deal as you can get, right? And yet we still sit there and say, I want a coupon. I want half. I just want to pay half, and I'll get all of it, right? Come on. God, yeah, right? That's, that's, that's convenient Jesus, right? I just want to buy. I just want that. Where's that coupon? Um, and so... Even then, I can realize I'm not going to diminish what heaven is, right? But even then, I can see that's hard, right? Hopefully, there's decades more before you get to that point. And so for me, it's hard to 
as a procrastinator, it's hard to push, just, just say, okay, defer now until later, right? Um, so what about now? What do we do now? Um, and obviously, the answer is Jesus, right? I mean, he is with us now, right? Have you ever done anything to minister to someone or do something for God's kingdom? Or if you went to Confluence, everything I've heard about the people there, have you ever seen anyone dedicated their life to Jesus, right? They're not walking around kicking rocks going, Jesus, right? Like there's joy. They have joy in their life, right? Jesus is their joy instead of their, you know, their control and their things. Um, and, and the point of this is that, you know, when Jesus says in John, he says, if you abide in me, I abide in you, right? And so when Jesus left, he says in Matthew 28, uh, 21, uh, 28, 20, he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is not, this is not a passive God that we serve, Right? He is not sitting up there saying, I really, really hope Scott can do it. (laughs) Fingers crossed, right? He says, no, I'm going to come down there and I'm going to do it through Scott. And he comes down there, right? We have a living God that comes to us, lives in us, and is our everything. And so, you know, it's a lie to say that if you give up everything for Jesus, he he will abandon you. He won't take care of you. Not like your things will. Not like you can. Um, and so God will not abandon you. If you're abiding in him, if you, if you are abiding in him, he will abide in you. Um, and so I think this is hard, right? I mean, this is, because this is not just something you can just, Jesus, oh, right? Like you have to really surrender everything. You have to, you have to sit down, first count the cost, right? Sit down, count the cost, and then, if, if you accept, surrender everything to Jesus. Um, and I think the most key point of this is he will not let you down, right? Um, one last thing I wanted to share was in Hebrews, actually, 12.1. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Right? All that extra stuff, anything that's not Jesus is just weighing you down. Right? And so in our joy, we need to shed that weight and just run to Jesus. Shed everything that would keep us away from him. And so like I said, this is hard, right? There's no way to do this on our own, but the good news is that Jesus said he left a helper, right? So what we need to do, what I would encourage you to do, is to ask the Holy Spirit to do this for you. Ask the Holy Spirit for the will to follow Jesus and the will to just submit to Jesus. Um, And I would also encourage you to try and fast, right? Like, ask Jesus, what is blocking me from getting to you? Um, And then try and fast from that and, and spend that time with Jesus, with the Word, praying, and he will not let you down. All right, amen?